0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of our weekly revolutionary podcast. This is Pastor Tito Sotolongo, your podcast pastor, as well as pastor of Tabernacle of God. Church in Tampa, Florida. Now, my job is to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. So, today we are specifically talking about following through. How, as Jesus followers, are we to respond to racism? and how are we to respond to all of the things that we are seeing right now listen our our country our country is has been and is continuing and will continue to be in a deep deep very necessary conversation about racism and race relations and listen if we want to have that conversation we as jesus followers we got to make sure that we're having this conversation with each other but we're also having this conversation with god we need him more than we realize and so when it comes to this man we're gonna I'm gonna tackle a couple of questions I'm going to look at this statement and ask man can we bring an end to racism what are we supposed to do well in responding to that I might say I might say some things that you might not like and that's okay but when we hear what God has to say I'm telling you you're gonna like what God has to say And let's just go ahead and just begin that, and let's begin that conversation with our God and see what he has to say in his word. We are doing a series on racial reconciliation and addressing how the church should interact in the culture. Now, I say these things, and everything that I'm going to attempt to say over the next four weeks, over the next four weeks... I say it with this, and I want, I want you guys to know my heart. Some of you that know me, you know, although, whether online, in person, if you don't, let me just say it here, okay? My biggest goal, and I approach this topic, especially this topic, look, I approach every topic like this, but I can't give a disclaimer every week. But I approach this topic with fear and trembling because my desire is not to pick one side or another. The options that we are tend to be given in our culture. My my heart's desire is not to pick one side over another. My heart's desire is not to approach God's word, cherry pick it, to reinforce my preconceived assumptions and ideas. That's not my goal. My goal is not to see what side I am on. It is God, I want to be on your side. I want his side. And that's mine with you. And so with a topic like this, I want you to know, even though we're going to do four weeks with it, I know I'm not going to get everything perfect. I know I won't. And I know I'm not going to be able to say everything that I would love to say. And I know for some people, I'm not going to say enough. And I mean, some people, I'm not picking one side or another. I'm I'm talking about both. I know for some people, they're not going to say, I didn't say enough. All right. But I want you to know my job again it's not to make you feel better about the decision or the, the side that you are on. It's God's side is the one that we need to find. God's side is the one. So with that, welcome to week one. If we can put the slide, or you can see it up there, but I'm going to put it online because I want everybody to see it. Uh, this is a series that we're going to just call, well, depending on how you see it, Grace. Or race, right? So obviously the G in that word is going to be what we need the most. And so being a series on racial reconciliation, this series is going to be titled Grace. As we're approaching and attacking this idea of how can we, as what does God want us to do in this time? And I can't think of a better verse to start. Then where it all ends. And we're going to start in Revelation chapter 7. I'm going to read two verses for you, 9 and 10. This is the apostle John is the one, the same John 3, 16, that John, the same John who saw Jesus murdered on the cross, the only apostle to see Jesus on the cross, the only, one of the few, in fact, the first one to run to the tomb. That same John, almost 60 years after the resurrection, he's all by himself. And at the end of, close to the end of John's life, the apostle John's life, God gives John the revelation of the end of time. And the book of Revelation is not just the reveal how the world's gonna end. The book of Revelation is about, it's the revelation of who Jesus is. It's really who he is. That's why it's called the revelation of Christ. So here, I want you to see one of the things that John saw. So we're gonna read it, we put it on the screen so you guys can read it with us. Verse 9. After the things that he has seen up until this point, after this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and unto the Lamb. So, I like that picture. I don't know about you, that's a, that's a great picture because that is a picture that Jesus showed John, that John relaying to us, and this is good news for us that one day. One day, Jesus will bring an end to all of the racial tensions, ethnic discriminations, and all things that will separate us, that Jesus one day is going to do that. I don't know how you feel about that. I know that gets me excited to know that it is going to happen. I know we look at the world and we're like, I don't know who's going to fix this this mess, okay? I don't know who's going to fix this. But we see that Jesus gives us a revelation. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, I love that picture because notice in Revelation, what do you see? Number one, everybody's together, we ain't fighting. Number two, we all dressed alike, but it's okay, all right? We're all unified together and, uh, it, you know, covered by the glory of God. What else did you notice? What did John notice? He said, hey, I heard every language in heaven. Do you know that the language you know now, you're still gonna speak it in heaven? If you are if you know English and Spanish or whatever, you're gonna still know how to, you know, look, I, I speak Spanish pretty good, you know, not not super speaky that well, whatever, you know, but... I hope, but listen, we're gonna know. The languages that you know on earth, you're gonna know in heaven. I don't know if that, like, you process that. Not only that, the skin color that you have on earth is gonna be the same one you're gonna have in heaven. It's the reality of it. And so notice in heaven, he saw every, by the way, that, that nations, that word nations is ethnos, ethnicities. Every, your skin color is going to be the same. That's pretty cool. Like pretty much who you are is going to be the same. Now, okay, if you're if you if you're short, I don't know. I don't know if God's going to give you that kind of grace to kind of bump up a couple inches or not. I don't know. I'm praying, though. I'm praying because God's good. I'm praying for those that who are, you know, follically challenged, those my bald folks Hopefully God has mercy on you and gives you a set of, you know, a full lock of hair in heaven, you know, because pretty much who you are now is pretty much what's going to be just better. So, you know, for all my bald folks, all right, love you. All right, we'll see. We'll see, right? There you go, Jimmy. That's for you. Anyways, um, and so now with all of that, we see a beautiful picture. No one is fighting. We're all singing. We're all loving, enjoying each other. So that's good news to know. That's good news to know that it is going to happen. But then what does that say for us today? What are we going to do? What does that say for us today? How, because that's not what it looks like. We ain't singing. We're doing a lot more, and, and we all ain't unified like that, you know? And so what does that mean for us today? Now, I, I got to give you, let me start a little heavy for you. I'm going to drop something on you. you. You might not like it, but hang in there, though, because uh, in four weeks when we bring my the 4th of July sermon, I'm going to end this tension that I'm going to start with you today. Listen, that reconciliation that we're gonna have, that peace that we're gonna see, we're gonna see it in the afterlife, not in this life. I just gotta be real with you because there's a lot of people out there, Christian and non, who the goal is, we're gonna bring an end to racism. Racism is gonna be done. Listen, doesn't mean that we can't make a difference. I'm just being real with you. It is going to exist in one form or another in this lifetime until Jesus returns. I'm just, putting, I'm just being real with you. Y'all, y'all with me on that? I know it sounds depressing. I'm like, oh, then why bother? Oh, my gosh. Okay. But listen, I'm going to resolve that tension in, a, in about a month. But that's the reality. I want you to have healthy expectations. The goal here, the goal here is not to just be done with it because we can't and we won't. Because racism and all the things that we're seeing is a result of sin. And until Jesus returns, there will be an element of it. But it doesn't mean that we are left without hope. It doesn't mean that we can't just, oh, I can't wait for that to happen, but... We should also get to work on bringing that, Lord, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's going to be and as it is in heaven. So there is a work that we should and need to do. I just want to be real with you. And here's the other part. The goal is this. Because here's, here's where we're kind of like missing it, especially more church. I need to help you all with this, okay? It's me too. Jesus died on the cross not to save society. He did it to save souls. Okay, he did it to save souls. The goal is not reform society. The goal is to resurrect dead souls. Now, the more resurrected souls that live in a community, the more society will be impacted indirectly. Y'all follow me with that? The goal is not society. We can't start there. That's the indirect effect of what's most important, which is the soul. And here is the tension that is going to be carry the theme of the whole series on grace. Really? Here, here it is. I do not believe that we have a race problem. Doesn't mean people ain't racist, so listen close. Some of y'all already turned me off, I know it. Listen, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Obviously it does. Here, listen. I don't feel like that's the problem at the core. We don't have a race problem, we have a grace problem. That's what it is. We do not understand the grace of God because when you get the when the grace of God smacks you in the face you don't look the same you don't act the same you don't love the same we don't have a race issue we have a grace issue and not enough of us not enough of us have been moved and been impacted by that so that's that's why the sermon that's why the series is called not just race but grace cuz it's that G that we need It's the grace, it's the gospel that is going to be the difference. And so we're going to look, and look, Jesus, I'm not the one making it up. Jesus talked about it. Jesus said, look, the soul, the, the issue, the problem that anybody has is not in society. It's in the soul of the individuals who make up society. And so in one of Jesus's, in fact, Jesus's famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, I'm pretty sure a lot of us have heard it. We've all read it, read elements of it. This is one that it's been said was Jesus's greatest sermon that he's ever given. Others say, theologians say, well, it was probably just a collection of his greatest hits, which probably, I'm not sure which of which is which. But the theme of it all, the theme of it all has, and we're going to look at one element of it, but that's what Jesus was talking about. And we look at the Sermon on the Mount and we look at it as a moral guide for life. That's the problem. Like we look at the, which it does, let's be honest. A lot of the Sermon on the Mount has a lot of great moral, you know, do this, don't do that. This is what you should do. But listen, the Sermon on the Mount was not meant to be a guide for moral living. It was good news. It was good news for eternal life. I mean, notice at the very beginning in Matthew 7, uh, Matthew 5, actually, when in this case, where we're gonna read, I don't have it up yet. He starts off by saying something weird that some of us still don't understand. And so, because we, we look at it for what it says on face value. Blessed are the poor. Catch that one, right? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the mourners. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And we look at those with our eyes and we think, blessed are the oppressed. And it's not. First off, I don't know about you, I don't feel I don't feel blessed when I'm in that category. I mean, I don't know about you. Do you like oh, so I should feel good about? I should feel good about being in this oppressed status. And if that was the case then hey, let's just all oppress each other because blessed are, right? So no, that's not the case. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying blessed are the oppressed because he's t- talking about the condition of the soul. Blessed are you when you are poor in spirit, meaning that you realize that you are not rich towards God. That you have nothing to offer God. Only then will you inherit the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn. Mourn what? That you mourn your sin. That you mourn that, th- that what breaks your heart is what breaks God's heart. When you mourn your sin, only then, he says, will you be comforted by the love of God and the forgiveness of God. Blessed are those who are humble, realizing that you need God in your life. Because then only then can you inherit what eternal life, what we need. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who desire deeply to... be made right only then he says will you be fulfilled you do you see the problem it's in the soul so he starts off this amazing sermon saying the problem is not out there it's in here and you are blessed when you realize you got a problem why are you blessed when you realize you got issues because that's when you realize when you know you have a need that's when you go to god and say there's my god He he has he can solve it. Charles Spurgeon says it the best. I love Spurgeon when he says that we all have a great need for we all have a great need for Christ. We all have a great need, but then we have a great God who can fulfill our needs. That's what he's saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are you when you realize this, when it clicks, because that's when it's going to hit. That's when it's going to hit. And then everything else, all the moral guidelines that Jesus starts talking about is the ramifications, it's the, the domino effect, that when God hits you, when the grace of God hits you, then these sequential dominoes ought to fill and hit and ought to change the way you live. And here's the one we're going to look at today, ready? This one is, about, this is in Matthew 7, very popular one right now that a lot of people are using, so let's just put it in a context and make sure we understand it. So let's put chapter 7, I'm going to read the whole thing together. Then we're gonna break it down. Matthew seven, verses one through five, ready? We're gonna put it on the screen so those online, in person, y'all can read it together. Jesus, as in part of the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard by which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. So why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye? But don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the splinter out of your eye. And look, there's a beam of wood in your own. You hypocrite. First, take the beam of wood out of your eye. And then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. So this is a good one. A lot of people like this. Look, hey, don't judge me, right? Don't judge me. Only God can judge me. You ever heard someone say that one? right? All right. Only God can judge me. Did you really believe what you said? Because if you did, uh, I don't see the seriousness in your life. But you ever say, you know, only God can judge me? That ought to panic you, you know. But if people say that. I'm like, oh, let me live my life. Yo, be careful, okay? Be careful with that statement. Be careful with that statement. But here he's saying, hey, don't judge others in a way that is not consistent, right? Have you ever heard Jesus say, treat others the way you want to be treated, right? Don't judge others in a certain way because they're going to judge you too. What is Jesus saying? Here's what he's saying with that idea, with that crazy analogy of someone with a two-by-four sticking out of their head versus someone with a splinter in their eye. Why does he use that analogy? Because here's the way that we ought not to judge each other. You ready? You ready? Don't judge each other thinking the problem is with you, not with me. You see that? That's what he's saying. It's saying, like, listen, if you see the problem is with you, not with me, you, you're not seeing things correctly. That's what he is saying. Don't judge in this way. Tell me right now, that's not what, how we're all interacting right now. I'm right, you're wrong, let me prove it to you. Right? Like, we love to win. Like, all of us, especially online, we love to throw them, them uh, social media bombs, right, from you know throw that meme right throw that thing over there right we love to lob those social media bombs we love it because it's easy it's, it's safe right we just got to go ham on somebody like that listen we ought not to judge others that way a thinking and assuming that i'm i'm not wrong there's nothing in me that's wrong the problem is with you we don't listen to each other that way when we're just hearing each other we're just waiting for that moment to you know, bring in your point. You're not listening to someone else. You're just waiting for the opportunity to bring somebody down. We all love to win, but that's not, but we win each other over with love. That's what we do. We ought to win each other with love. And so one of the point that we got to make sure we're all up in this one, ready? This is what we're all, this is where we're starting is we have to recognize, listen, you and I got beams in our lives. You and, i's got, you and I got beams in our eyes. We have to recognize that. The ultimate beam is sin, That's the big one. That that two by four that he's talking about, that's talking about sin in your life. But what about the splinter? Well, even when God, which I love that. Notice, uh, you guys ever gotten a splinter? Where do splinters come from? Wood. Sometimes, listen, we're going to talk about this. God can remove the beam of wood out of your eye, but there's some residue sometimes left over from sin. There's a little residue sometimes, a little piece of that wood left over, and we constantly need to humble ourselves and say, Lord... I got I to gotta, I gotta recognize as, as whatever you've done in my life, I know I'm not perfect still. I'm being perfected as different in Christ. It's called sanctification. But we have to be humble. I don't care who you are. You got something in your eye. You got something in your eye. All right? You all got something. Look, just close one eye. Cover one eye up right now. Online, I don't care. I don't see you. But everybody else, I see you, so you better do it. All right? Cover up one eye right now and say, look, this is who I am. This is who I am. I can see, but I don't see everything clearly yet. We all have to recognize we all have beams. You and I all have blind spots. We all have blind spots, and that's what sin does. And the blind spots keep us. They they create biases. There's a great book that I read, which I would recommend. It's it's called um, The Third Option by Miles McPherson, and it talks about this issue, racial reconciliation. And he talks a lot about what sociologists, they say that, listen, we all like to have our own groups, Right, we all create groups that we have, and we call these in-groups, right? Maybe it's around political ideas, political in-group, religious in-group, racial ones, whatever, cultural ones. We all have an in-group. If you're not in my group, what are you? You out, right? So if you're not in my in-group, you're in the out-group. And here's the thing that we all do. We all tend to give somebody in the in-group the benefit of the doubt, that we don't extend to somebody on the out-group. You don't believe me? Look at politics. Who I don't care what, what party you belong to that you vote for. Somebody does something in your group, benefit of the doubt. Somebody on the out-group does the same thing. All hell's going to break loose, right? Right? That's what we do. That's what we do. If it, that racially, same thing. This is my in-group. If somebody in my race does something, I tend to give him a pass. I tend to give him a pass. I give him almost oh, well, you know he had his reasons, or he. You know, right? That's the benefit of the doubt. But if somebody in the out does something even half that, we double the rage, right? That's, we all do that. That's just a natural thing. That's called sin. That's part of us in that. We have to recognize that we treat each other this way. We all have a limited perspective, but not just that. Listen, my, you know, I'm a unique individual, okay? God has made me, you know, you have not lived my life. I have not lived yours, you know, and so there's elements, there's things that I've gone through that you have never gone through and you cannot understand fully. Does that make sense? Doesn't mean you can't understand at all. Listen, my wife's a champ, okay? She, all right, gave birth to three three kids. The, the youngest one, JJ, was the most impatient out of all of them, okay? She did that last one with no epidural, all right? She's a, she's a champ. Listen, I don't wanna know what that feels like, okay? I don't care to know what that feels like, but and let's be honest, even if I wanted to, is there a way that I could experience literally that? No, I just can't. That doesn't mean that I can't have sympathy or I can't lean in, right? You know, y- y'all following me? And so there's all of us, all of us, there's certain experiences that we, we are not gonna be able to truly understand. It's impossible. But it doesn't mean that we can't be understanding. You see that? It doesn't mean that we can't be understanding, but we have to recognize and avoid, wait, am I? Am I giving you the benefit of the doubt? You might be my in group, my out group. Am I giving you the benefit of the doubt or not? That's important. That's an important thing because, look, we miss out on the beauty. These blind spots keeping us from experiencing the beauty of what God has made in each and every one of us. Especially here. I know sometimes it's rare. Like a lot of people get triggered with this one, right? You ever had someone, maybe if you're a minority, you, you feel this. Maybe if, if, if you're not, if you're white, maybe not. But... You know, a lot of minorities tend to get triggered, right? When they say, hey, well, hey, uh, so where are you from? Hey, that's an interesting accent. Where's that from? And then they get triggered because they're like, ugh, ugh, uh. like it's, it's like the, my, everything different about me is exposed, and, and it feels like either condemnation or something like that. But at the same time, hey, if somebody's saying that, listen, I'm, I'm going to put yourself on the out group now. They've never interacted with somebody like you. So that's an opportunity to expose the diversity and beauty of something. You're going to be that person's first experience. You see that? So even though I'm like, but at the same time, that's an opportunity to share just the beauty and the diversity that exists between us. And so, but we, we have to give each other that benefit of the doubt and be careful with those blind spots keeping us from seeing the reality. Here's the reality, guys. Do you guys know that we have so much more in common? divides us. That's the truth of it. We have so much more. I mean, I try to do my best. I've been listening to everybody talking and everybody interacting, friends, family, online, in person. And what's shocking to me is that almost everybody can agree on principle. Like a lot of us agree, but we are all divided on the, on the small things that we just don't agree on. And that's so sad. That's so sad. We have so much more that, that we have in common than divides us. Do you guys know, even look, I know we have the term racial reconciliation. Do you guys even know that word biblically doesn't exist? There is no such thing as multiple races. It's not. It's ethnicities is different. That's a biblical word. But race is not. Races, like multiple races, it's not even a biblical idea. Because out of one man came all humanity. There's only one race. We're all a part of the same race. It's just the human race, that's it. Ethnicities are different. We're all a part of the same human race. We even got the same color. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm colorblind. We're talking about in-group out-group stuff. Listen, if you've ever told somebody, "Look man, I'm just colorblind. I don't see color." Time out. First off, you normally tell that to somebody who's colored. All right, you normally tell that to somebody who is colored, which already at the beginning, wait, so why are you saying that, right? And so number one. Number two, it sounds just ingenuine because it's like saying, I, I don't see you. Do you see how that can, to you, maybe you meant well with that statement, but do you see how if you considered of the, considered of the other person, oh, I don't see color, it's like you're telling them, I don't see you. I'm like, but You should. You know, God, God gave us all. But when I said we're all one color, I mean it. God has given us something beautiful called melanin. Some of y'all got a lot of it. Some of y'all work hard to increase your melanin. Uh, you know, the summer's happening right now, right? And you're in Florida. Do you guys know we're all the same color brown? White, black, we're all brown. Just different shades of it, but we're all brown. We're the same color, we're the same, we're the same biologically. We're like 99 point whatever. It's the, look how amazing God is that the small, just the little bit that we don't have in common. Look at the beauty and the, and the variety. But we have so much more that we are having in common that divides us, yet if we don't give each other, if we don't recognize those blind spots, we're missing out on something amazing. And so what did Jesus say we have to do? You gotta remove the blind spot. Don't think, hey, I got this two by four, you know, hey, let me, let me help you with, with the splinter in yours. Right, that's stupid. Like that's idiotic to say the problem is with you, not with me, we all have that. And so here, we gotta recognize that we gotta get that beam removed because it's limiting us. Look, we've all had something in your eye, right? You ever done that? I've never gotten a splinter, my, wow, okay? I've actually cut my eyeball one time, piece of glass. 10-second story, I was practicing my baseball swing in my grandfather's bedroom with his cane. Went too far up on the swing, shattered the glass, looked up, sliced. Okay, so that's what happened. So anyway, so I've, I've had my eyeball cut, but we've all had like dust. You ever had something right there, right? Even if it's just a piece of dust, can you open your eye? Can you open, the, like, it's like your body is overriding your emotions, right? It's like, nope, 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 danger. And it holds it shut. See, that's the thing. Without that, we have a limited view. So Jesus says, remove that beam. Now, here's something, guys. You and I can't do that. The beam is sin. I don't care if it's a two-by-four size or a splinter size. We all have it. And we can't A, B, compare. Well, mine's not as bad as yours. Situation's critical, okay? We all have an element of it. There's leftover residue if you're saved. But, and then we can't constantly have to walk in the spirit. So, God leads us and keeps taking those splinters out so we can continue to live free. But the thing is that what we need is not the problem, it's not the way we see each other, it's here in the heart. All right, let me help you out in this because uh, in Jewish culture, when you see the eye or the mind or the heart, it all means the same thing. Okay, so in Jewish culture, in the Bible, the heart and mind aren't two separate things. It's one thing. The heart and mind is who you are. And the eye is the same thing. So the eye, the heart, and the mind, it's who you are at your core. So when Jesus is saying, you got a two-by-four sticking at your eye, it's, you got a two-by-four sticking at your chest. It's, it's, I mean, you are impaled, okay? Last time I checked, if I got a beam of wood just coming out my chest... I'm probably dead. Okay, I mean, that's just the reality of it. I don't see people walking around like that. I'm dead, and that's what sin is—that we have, we are dead in our sins. And you and I, look, uh, can what can a dead person do? Can I just be honest? What can a dead person do? A dead person can't do anything. They're dead. Okay, that's what that is. And I don't know about you, but because the problem's not with the eye, because in that case, it's something we can fix. I've had stuff in my teeth before. You ever had something stuck in your teeth? Have you ever had somebody tell you, you got something stuck in your teeth? Immediately, you're like, wait, what? What, what, right? Oh, you don't want that, right? You don't want that. And so it's so rude to know. You see someone else, you talking to somebody and they got something stuck in their teeth and they don't know about it. It's so rude not to point that out, right? It's rude. I'll be honest, I've done that like a ton. I just don't like the tension sometimes. I'm like, let me just i don't want to say it no so. I'm, I'm sorry i've done that to a lot of people but anyways don't do it okay if somebody got some of their teeth let them know but what if someone says hey hey pastor you got some of your teeth what hold on let me see and i get my phone out go to the go to the camera go to the the you know unless the glass or the mirror what if i'm looking at my camera like oh, yeah there it is what if i then just took, took my phone and just rubbed it on my face to get it out how's that gonna work can't do it right i just can't rub my face on a mirror that is showing me the problem i can't do that no because the you need to actually do it but the problem is not externally jesus is saying the problem is internally it's inside i don't know if there's been developments in the last 24 hours but i don't think somebody can perform open heart surgery on themselves Am I right or wrong? I'm pretty sure not unless something happened in the last 24 hours. No one can do open heart surgery on themselves. You can't remove this yourself. You need God to do it. Only he can remove that beam, that splinter, whatever it is, only he can do it. And that's why you gotta trust in him. Blessed are those, again, doubling back to all of that. And then when he does that, when God deals with you here, now he can use you to deal with that. Jesus said, after the beam is removed, now you can go help your brother. Now you can go help them. Now you can do that. And, and you know what that's called? Jesus actually, which, which we talked about this a little bit last week, and it comes from the title. Again, another popular verse. Everybody's throwing out there. and. There's just one element I'm not hearing as much. Now, I br- I'm not saying people aren't saying what they need to say. People, a lot of pastors are saying what they need to say. I just wanna bring something extra to the table. There's a verse that says in 2 Corinthians that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God, when you are reconciled to God, God does something in you, but then he wants to do something through you. When you are reconciled to God, brought back to God, there was a breakup, y'all back together again. When that happens, now God says, I'm going to give you the ministry of reconciliation. I want you to go and to reconcile others. And we think, okay, a lot of us look at that I'm like, all right, I got to— Racial reconciliation. We need to bring the races together. We need to bring the whites and the blacks. So we need to bring everybody, the browns and the yellows and everybody in between, right? We got to bring everybody together. That verse is not saying it's our job to make people play nice in the sandbox. Because literally, if you read the next verse, it says, God, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, God compels us, it's him in us, to say the next thing be reconciled to God period. Not be reconciled to each other. Stop fighting. All right, 90s quote. Can we all just get along, right? That's not the ministry of reconciliation. He's not saying, guys, God says, be nice. God says, stop yelling. God says, no. We're supposed to say, be reconciled to God. Listen, we can't get, the reason why we're not getting this right, we're not getting this right because not enough of us have been made right that's the problem that's the grace issue that i was saying the problem is not hey let's fix this no this happens when we are made right and notice i said made right now we get this right because you and i can't get this right we are made right by faith through grace we are made right in christ we can't get this that's what's so good about god That we are made right. And when we are made right, then God through us, we can get things right. We can make a difference. It's him in us. But that's where we start. That's where we need to start. It's him in us in that way. And we need the grace of God for all of it. This is, again, why I want you guys to understand we have a grace issue. Because we're trying to attack society with not God's grace, but with man's goodness. And it's not going to end up right. We're going to constantly be disappointed in our attempt to tackle injustice and imp- impose our another form of justice. We're going to commit injustice to someone else. That's what we do. But this is when we are made right, we can get things right. Right, and here's the beautiful thing about grace. We need it for all of it. You need God's grace to recognize your blind spots. You need God's grace to remove the blind spot. And you need God's grace to respond to others. Grace is at the point of it all. And if you don't know what God's grace is, let me just break it down this way. It's God's unmerited favor, it's a gift. You can't earn it, you can't deserve it, you can't achieve it. God doesn't give more or less to someone based on the way you look or believe or live. No, it's a gift that we all have 100% access to. That's the grace of God. And it's the grace of God is that where you end, he continues. So where here's your wisdom, I'm like, I don't know what to do. God says, okay, I can give you wisdom. When you don't have enough strength to keep on going, God gives you the strength. That's what grace is. It's where you end and God begins. That's what God tells Paul. He's say, like, you know, listen, I am strong when you are weak. My grace is enough for you. I am enough. We need that grace, and it is a gift. And here's what we do. Listen, you receive the grace just by faith. And you operate it, you operate, and you use that grace with gratitude. Listen, when you know, when the grace of God, is what I said earlier, when the grace of God hits you, when the goodness of God really just penetrates that heart, and gives you a new heart. That ought to impose and and you ought to reply in gratitude and gratefulness that God is this good despite the fact that you are not and that this is unmerited. You didn't deserve it or earn it and you still, he loves you anyways. That's the grace of God and that ought to change into gratitude. We respond to God in gratitude and that should impact our attitudes with the way we look at each other and the attitudes then influence our actions. You see what I'm saying that we have a grace issue? When we are grateful for what God has done, it impacts our, it changes our attitudes, changes our actions because how can I, how can anyone count someone's skin against them when they truly know and understand that God will never hold their sin against them anymore? Do you see what I mean? When you realize and you know God will never hold any of my sins against me, then how can I ever hold your skin or whatever you against you? That's the grace of God. We need that and we, that's loving. That's the way we ought to love one another. And, 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 it's, and it's encouraging. It is loving to tell people, listen, we gotta start. We don't need to start with society. We don't start with the power structures. Now, I'm not saying that we don't do, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, things can't improve or, you know, reform. I'm not saying we don't need any of those. I know some people might be thinking, I'm making light of the, oh, you're making it too simple. It's just Jesus, right? You just need Jesus. And so, no, but we got this and we got that and we got to reform this. Yeah, but you're going to try to reform something and and you're not reformed and made right. You know what you're going to do? We're going to create more laws with loopholes in them. That's what it is. We're going to create laws with loopholes. Someone's going to feel better and then at, at the expense of someone else. That's history. That's history. But it's only through God's grace that we can see that different. And I'm not saying, I'm not minimizing the problems. I'm not minimizing the problems that are in society. I'm trying to maximize the solution, magnify the solution. That's Jesus. I'm trying to magnify him, not minimize anything. I'm trying to magnify him because we can't get this right if we are not made right. It starts here. It starts in our hearts. It starts in our hearts. It starts here. And even if you're a believer, listen, you got to recognize you still got some splinters laying around there that God needs to remove. You still got got blind spots. You got to recognize you're not perfect yet. You still got some splinters left over and you go to God continually and he will remove those so that you can go and help your brother so that you can go and your sister. And I love that God says, go help your brother. That is a relational element of it. I love that brother, sister, we we don't start here. We start in the heart. So imagine this, church, I want you to listen as we're wrapping up, I want you to listen to this. Imagine if we just all prayed for the next seven days before you post online, before you do anything else, before you open your mouth, could you imagine if you open your heart and if we all prayed this prayer for seven days? Lord, lead me to, so- lead me to love someone today. Jesus, lead me to love today. Could you imagine if we did that? Could you imagine right before somebody says something and then, you know, we get triggered. And then, Lord, lead me to love. Could you imagine if we prayed that just for seven days? Lead me to love lead me to love. Do you not believe that there would be a difference? Yes, there would be a massive difference if we continued, if all we did was pray, Lord, just lead me to love. Because the love of God, listen, God loves us and we're nothing like him. Yeah, we're made in the image of God, but let's be honest, we're not God. We are not like him. God loved us when we didn't even like him back. Yeah, when when that love hits us, that love leads us to love people who don't look like us, love people who don't vote like us. Listen, I don't care if people don't, you know, they, 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 you know, there's music that they listen to you don't like. There's food that they eat that you don't like, all right? There's just elements of what they do or are, whatever that group is that you don't like. We are called to love them any ways. That's why Jesus says, don't just love your neighbors and then hate your enemies. Don't just be nice to the in-group and not to the out-group. Love your enemies. How can you do that? How can you even love someone who hates you? Because Jesus did it. We hated him. Our sin was a slap into his face, and yet he can love us. If he can love us, how can we not learn to love each other? It starts with God's grace. It starts here. Listen, Martin Luther King had a dream, didn't he? Martin Luther King had a dream, one of the greatest speeches probably ever in this modern century. And what was the dream? That he would hope to live to see one day that that people and then his daughters and people would just... Literally just judge each other based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. It's a, it's a great dream we're still holding on into. But, but let me tell you, listen, that's not going to be perfect. We're not going to see that dream played out in this lifetime. We're not. doesn't mean that we can't make a difference because we ought to. doesn't mean we can't make things better because we should. kingdom of God should ex- continue to expand until Jesus comes back and finishes the job. He's the one that's going he's, he's, he's to push it through the goal line you know, in the end. Listen, But we can't just hold on to a dream. We're not holding on to a dream here. Listen, in Christ, we hold on to a promise. We're holding on to a promise that it will be done and that he is doing it even now. It's a promise. It's a promise that we hold on to. So let me ask you, if you're watching online, everybody here, simple. This is an easy answer. Easy answer to this question. Do you want to see things turn around? yes or no. Answer online, you better put it online in the chat. Tell me, That's uh, not a rhetorical question, I'm answering. All right? Do you want to see things turned around? Do you wanna see things get better? Do you really wanna see things turned around? Then turn around and put your faith in Christ. Turn around and put your faith in Christ. If you wanna see things turned around, turn around and put your faith in Christ. Put your faith in Him. Be made right, because you ain't gonna get it right if you're not made right. If we wanna see things turned around, Turn around and put your faith in Christ and then turn back around and love whoever's in front of you. That's it, love. No categories, no but. Just love. Turn back around. Love the person in front of you. Listen. Jesus is enough. The blood of Christ is still enough. Who he is, is enough. And in the end, you saw in Revelation, the whole crowd was giving praise and glory to who? god they said lord salvation belongs to god they realized lord it wasn't us yeah you used us to make a difference but in the end it wasn't us it was you all along in us it was you all along through us that crowd gave god all the glory because it was only him and it was only by him and we are all going to come to realize that because he is enough he's what matters most so if we can end an argument because there's a lot of people that we can oh who matters the most which we're gonna talk about that next week. Who matters the most? I'm gonna answer that question for you, ready? Listen, Jesus matters most. Jesus matters most. Nothing else matters. Nothing else, no one else can true. We can't truly understand and get to the point that you matter if he doesn't. Jesus matters most. Look, we are just getting started to see what God has to say and what he expects of us. As his people, as Jesus' followers, how are we supposed to follow through in our lives? And so even though we might not see, even though we will not see an end of racism in our lifetime, or period, until Jesus returns, it's okay. It doesn't mean that we are not left without hope, and it doesn't mean that we have to tolerate it, all right? God is doing something in the world. And the more we bring and the more we revolve our lives around Christ, the more he will change us and lead us to reconcile others to God and each other. So I want to invite you back. As uh, If you thought round one was interesting, we'll wait to wait for round two as we are going to tackle privilege and what God has to say about that. But until then, guys, keep loving, pray, say, Lord, lead me to love someone today. Be that kind of a revolutionary and watch how the grace of God will impact you, change you and impact those all around you for god's glory and for the good of others guys have a great week i'll see you guys next time